podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Good boys and girls, two for the podcast on Monday, the 28th of March, brought to you by epillindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider, a virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you geoblocked from while also keeping your data safe. Go to libertyshield.com and use the code router50 to get your router at 50% off. That's libertyshield.com with the code router50. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a homeware and giftware company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check at homeofhopcroft.co.uk. And finally, do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you'll find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 to get 10% off at checkout. Right, folks, it's the Monday of an international break. So there's no Liverpool, there's no United, there's no City. There's no Arsenal, there's no Spurs, there's no Chelsea. There's none of the rest of them to talk about. So what are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about the Premier League Hall of Fame. So last week, Patrick Vieira and Wayne Rooney were inducted into the Premier League Hall of Fame. You'll remember last year, eight players were inducted. Alan Shearer, Thierry Henry, Eric Cantona, Roy Keane, David Beckham, Dennis Burkamp, Frank Lampard and Steven Gerrard. There's no argument to be made against any of them being in the Hall of Fame. I would take issue with Lampard and Gerrard being put in so early, considering how recent their Premier League careers came to an end. I would take issue with those two being in because I think the focus should have been by era. They really should have looked at this the Premier League is 30 years old. They probably should have broken it down into the first 10 years, then the next 10 years, and then the most recent 10 years, and done it that way. So Rooney gets in. Again, I take issue with that because he's so recently retired. Vieira, absolutely. There's no problem. Rooney was getting in. Vieira was getting in. They both deserve to be in. I just don't think Rooney should have gotten in as quickly. Same with Lampard, same with Gerrard. If you're only retired from the league or out of the league, in Rooney's case, four years, in Gerrard and Lampard's, it was six years by the time they were put in. I just don't think that's long enough. There'll be six more players inducted this year. And the following are the nominees. Tony Adams, Sergio Aguero, Saul Campbell, Petr Cech, Andy Cole, Ashley Cole, Didier Drogba, Patrice Evra, Les Ferdinand, Rio Ferdinand, Michael Owen, Gary Neville, Matt Letizia, Vincent Company, Robbie Fowler, Peter Schmeichel, Paul Scholes, Teddy Sheringham, John Terry, Yaya Toure, Ian Wright, Nemanja Vidic, Robin Van Persie, Ruud van Nistelrooy and Edwin van der Sar. All of them are worthy of a place in the Premier League Hall of Fame. All of them will get in. All of that 20 
will get in at some point. Now, for me, looking at this and trying to pick it based on era, Ferdinand should be in. Letizia should be in. Schmeichel should be in. Sheringham should be in. And Wright should be in. They should be five guys. And Skulls and Neville, you can argue it, but I'll go those other five. Those five should be getting in next. And those five should be getting in ahead of Rooney because of era. Not because they're more warranting of it, just because of era. But I was looking at this and I was thinking, there's some massive, massive snubs here in terms of nominations. Now, there was a lot of laughter about the fact that Jamie Carragher wasn't included and Neville was. Carragher will get in at some point as well. But I was thinking, Dennis Irwin's the best fullback the Premier League has seen. How is he not a nominee? Gianfranco Zola was the only reason anyone watched Chelsea play prior to Roman Abramovich's money, unless you're a Chelsea fan, of course. But he was must-watch. Now, his Premier League career wasn't all that long, but in terms of impact, in terms of performance, he should be in. Paul McGrath should be in. So I thought what I wanted to do today was, I want to do two things. I want to go through the teams that have played in the Premier League and pick out who I think their most warranting Hall of Fame players are who have been snubbed by this list. Just one. But I also want to talk about a little bit about players that are underappreciated from those clubs. In particular by their own fans. So as I go through, there'll be some of those. Now, some of those won't be Hall of Fame worthy because they weren't at the club for long enough. Maybe they didn't play in the league for long enough. A prime example is Yapstam. So I constantly see Man United fans put together their greatest ever United eleven, and have Rio Ferdinand and Nemanja Vidic as the centre-backs. Yapstam was considerably better than both of them. Gary Pallister was better than Rio Ferdinand. But I can accept that Pallister's best year sort of ended in the mid-90s and a lot of people maybe don't remember him. But there's no excuse for Yap Stam not being in every single one of those teams. In fact, he should be one of the first names on those lists. Yap Stam is in the conversation for the best defender to ever play in the Premier League. The real conversation, not the conversation that takes place on Twitter where John Terry and Rio Ferdinand's names are thrown about. The conversation with the likes of Tony Adams the likes of Saul Campbell, the likes of Ricardo Carvalho, those genuinely flawless world-class centre-backs the Premier League had, not these overhyped England players. So I've set a cut-off on this because obviously 50 teams have now played in the Premier League. I've set a cut-off of 10 years. If your club hasn't been in for 10 years, you don't get a player in, or at least I'm not going to consider anybody because it'll just take too long. So let's start with Arsenal. So Vieira is in. Henri is in. Wright and Burkamp have been nominated. 
I think Martin Keown deserves to be in the conversation. Martin Keown, I saw Campbell's obviously been nominated as well, but Martin Keown was one of the best defenders in the league for a very, very long time. He's the type of player who's constantly overlooked and underappreciated. But from the mid-80s through to the early 2010s, Martin Keown was just fantastic. Absolutely fantastic for Aston Villa, for Everton, and then back at Arsenal where he'd started his career before moving on. He was absolutely brilliant. And people always talk about Dixon, Bold, Adams and Winterburn. But Dixon, Keown, Adams and Winterburn were even better. Martin Keown as a defender, not as a footballer, as a pure defender, was just brilliant. A tough, all-encompassing centre-back. Good in the air, quick, brilliant 1v1, could man-mark someone, someone out of a game. Martin Keown is so underappreciated when people talk about the great Premier League centre-backs because, I don't know, maybe it's because he only has 43 England caps. But he won them in an era with Adams. Remember, he didn't win his first cap either until he was 26, which was silly, really. But Adams, Pallister, Campbell, Mark Wright, Terry Butcher. Butcher might have been gone by then. But still, Des Walker. You had five really good English centre-backs, plus him. Later on, obviously, others started to appear on the scene, but he was absolutely tremendous. You rarely saw him have a bad game. He was 7 out of 10 most weeks. You rarely ever heard any suggestion of someone giving him a roasting. And he was playing for Arsenal until he was 38 years of age and still playing at a very high level. At 37, he played 35 games for Arsenal in the 0-2-0-3 season. He didn't score goals, he wasn't flashy, but he went out every single week and was arguably the best defender on the pitch. So Martin Keown deserves more respect. Paul McGrath is the one for Aston Villa. It's not even close. Paul McGrath is one of the best centre-backs of all time. But unfortunately, Paul McGrath had some personal demons which affected his career and meant that while he should have been starring for Manchester United in the early part of the 90s and likely been part of their first Premier League winning teams rather than, say, Steve Bruce, he was playing in Aston Villa because Alex Ferguson wanted to change the culture at United and McGrath was unfortunately a victim of that change. But Paul McGrath was the PFA player of the year in the first season of the Premier League. Back when that award really meant something, when you had to be genuinely great, McGrath was incredible. And you look at the first four seasons of the Premier League where he was with Villa, he was one of the one of, if not the best defenders in the league. 
even well into his 30s, and the same thing for the year he spent with Derby. It didn't matter that he couldn't jump anymore or he couldn't run very fast. He read the game at such a level that the world's best forwards just ghosted in his vicinity. In his presence, they all disappeared. He went to the 1994 World Cup with crippling knee injuries, with Phil Babb playing one side of him and Gary Kelly, the other two kids. And he put Roberto Baggio, who was the best player in the world, in his pocket. And he had done that every week in the Premier League for the previous two seasons, as Villa were one of the best teams in the early years of the Premier League. He won two League Cups with Villa and an FA Cup with United back in the 80s. Didn't have the team success. But he was so, so good. A very different class of Premier League player. He's, he's in the English Football Hall of Fame. He was included in the Football League 100 Legends back in 98. And he deserves to be in the Premier League Hall of Fame. Because I don't care that it's only five seasons. His five seasons were as good as any defender put forward in that era, if not better than most. He did more in those five years than most do in a career. He had more great games in that time at the end of his career than most do in their whole career. Paul McGrath should be in the Hall of Fame. We leave out Barnsley with one season. We leave out Birmingham with one season. Blackburn. Now, Shearer will get in, and he's their best Premier League era player. But I think there needs to be consideration given here, and this might seem like a funny one, but Tim Sherwood. And I get that he's a figure of fun because he's a, a pundit now and he's an idiot, and as a manager, he said silly things. But you look at Tim Sherwood's career, and you have to appreciate how good he was for Blackburn coming up into the Premier League, stepped down a division because he was playing first division football with Norwich, stepped down a division to Blackburn, helped them get promoted and then helped them go on and win the league title and was the captain of a Premier League winning team. And not just the type of captain who you look around the team, you think you're the worst player in that team. Why have you got an armband? Tim Sherwood was actually a really good Premier League midfielder. Around that time, he was a top a top 10 central midfielder in the Premier League. He might have been ninth, he might have been 10th. He wasn't any higher than 8th, but he was in the top 10 for a number of years. Just a very consistently good player. Rarely great, but never poor. Tim Sherwood deserves to be considered, not saying he deserves to go in, but he deserves to be considered for it. And he's underappreciated by a lot of fans, not necessarily Blackburn fans, but most people remember his like Tottenham days or his Portsmouth days towards the end of his career. They don't remember his prime years spent at Blackburn when he was a very good Premier League midfielder and an, a key integral part of a team that won the league in those early years. The first team to take it off, Manchester United. He went toe-to-toe in midfield with Roy Keane. He didn't back down a bit. Didn't back down ever even a, a small bit. 
he stood toe to toe with Roy Keane. And I think if you were to ask Roy Keane, he would say Tim Sherwood was a very good player. Blackpool running in for one season will ignore them. Bolton won't have anybody. Bolton have had some tremendous players in the Premier League era. Anelka, Jorkaev, JJ Akotcha, McAteer, Stubbs. None of them were there long enough. The ones who were good enough, Anelka. Anelka might get in at some point. Played in the Premier League for a long time and was very good. But he only spent the cup the, the short time at, at Black or at Bolton rather. JJ and Jorkiev weren't in the league long enough to really be considered. But they're the ones there. In terms of someone who's underappreciated for his time there, it's probably an Alan Stubbs. But then he was very highly regarded, so maybe not. Bournemouth don't get in only five seasons, neither do Bradford with two or Bradford with one, or Brighton with five. Burnley with eight, Cardiff with two, Charlton with eight. Seems like Charlton won the league for longer, but unfortunately they weren't. Uh, for Chelsea, like I've said, it's Zola. It has to be Zola, but also like Carvalho has to be in this conversation. Ricardo Carvalho has to be. You cannot talk about the best central defenders in the Premier League without talking about Ricardo Carvalho. From 04 to 2010, he was just brilliant week after week rarely had a bad game he like Nemanja Vidic there's one or two standout poor performances that people remember and cling to but you remember them because they're such an outlier Carvalho was tremendous the fact that he played another eight years after leaving Chelsea was really really impressive He joins Chelsea in 04, wins back-to-back league titles. Key part of everything Mourinho's doing there. Wins another title in 09-10, also won two league cups. He's the best central defender Chelsea have ever had. Now, a lot of Chelsea fans, when they pick their best ever 11, they do put him in. So he's not underappreciated by their fans, though the fact that they hold John Terry above him suggests that as a player he is because he was a lot better than Terry so the one I would say is most often overlooked by Chelsea fans is Marcel Desailly who's the second best centre-back that Chelsea ever had after Carvalho and Desailly obviously had the best parts of his career at Marseille and at Milan arrived at Chelsea at the age of 30 having just won the World Cup with France and he's gone by the time they have real success. Like his six years are the years before Mourinho. And the last season, he was obviously very much in decline. But the five before that, he was outstanding. Absolutely outstanding. Won an FA Cup with them. Won a European Super Cup. Like I said, his best years came as part of that Marseille team that won the European Cup and then part of that incredible Capello managed Milan team with he and Albertini in midfield in front of the greatest defence of all time. World Cup winner, European Championship winner. He's so often ignored in discussions about Chelsea's best ever 11. But when Desai arrived, he was one of the first like real superstars to come into the Premier League in their prime, not off the back of a failed spell somewhere else. 
So like when Burkamp came over, the view on him was that he flopped it at Inter. That wasn't actually the case. It wasn't what had really happened. He hadn't lived up to their expectations, but they seemed to think he was a number nine rather than a 10 or a nine and a half as he actually was. And they tried to play him up front by his own. But with Desai, he was coming in having been utterly dominant for Milan for years. And he was a real game changer for the league because all of a sudden it was like, God, Marcel Desai, we've, we've just seen him win the World Cup with France. We've seen him for years with Milan. We saw him with Marseille. He always felt like one of those untouchable players that just wouldn't come to the Premier League. And next thing there he was. And he lived up to it. He was brilliant. Him and Frank LeBuff were brilliant. Frank LeBuff also deserving of mentioning. I wouldn't put LeBuff above Terry as a footballer, a better footballer, not as good a defender. Um, but Frank LeBuff is worth mentioning here as well. Desai should get in. LeBuff, no. But Desai and Carvalho should get in. So should Zola. And yet none of them are even shortlisted. Um, Crystal Palace. I mean, Zaha's their best player of the Premier League era. And I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. Unfortunately, for the majority of the time he's been there, they've been a bottom half team. Now you can say, and I would say, it's been impressive that he's been able to keep them in the division year after year, but I don't think that warrants Hall of Fame consideration. The best player that I've ever seen play for Palace is obviously Ian Wright, but he left Palace uh, before the Premier League year started and is best known for his time at Arsenal. So their best player the Premier League era I would say Zaha. So I don't think there's a Premier League Hall of Fame contender there. For Everton, the two best players they had in the Premier League era are Wayne Rooney and Romelu Lukaku. Rooney's obviously best known for his time at United. That's where his Hall of Fame case came from. Lukaku, I mean, his best Premier League years were with Everton, but he was only there, what, two, three years? So I don't know that you can make a case that he's a Premier League Hall of Famer. I think for longevity purposes, the one Everton player that's viewed by their, two Everton players that are viewed by their fans as their best Premier League era players, probably Leighton Baines and Tim Cahill. I don't think there's a good case for either of them. Baines was a good left back, but he was never the best left back in the league. Ashley Cole was always better than him. There were some seasons he wasn't even the second best left back in the league. And I just don't see a strong case for Tim Cahill. A good player, scored a lot of goals, scored some big goals for Everton. But ultimately, I think he falls well short of the standard that you're looking for here. Uh, Fulham, I, I genuinely can't think of anybody. I genuinely can't think of anyone who played for Fulham over their 15 Premier League years that you would say warrants being in the Hall of Fame. Clint Dempsey is probably the best player they had in the Premier League era in terms of one-off seasons. Dempsey's last full season, I think it was at Fulham, um, wasn't that the season he scored a bunch of goals? That's probably the best season any Fulham player has had 
in the Premier League. I mean, Scott Parker was there, obviously. Yeah, Dempsey's last two years, before 12 goals, then 17 goals. They're the two best individual seasons uh, a Fulham player has had. Scott Parker would be, obviously, in the mix as one of their best players over the Premier League era. But again, I just I don't see Scott Parker as a Premier League Hall of Famer. I know he did win Football Writers Player of the Year, but it was the biggest farce. Until Henderson's win, it was the biggest farce going that he won it. Giggs at least got his as a Lifetime Achievement Award. But Scott Parker, for a team that played bottom or finished bottom that year, laughable, laughable stuff. Um, so nobody from Fulham, nobody from Fulham, uh, nobody from Huddersfield, Hull or Ipswich would qualify because they weren't in the league long enough. Leeds, I think, obviously Cantona, but his time at Leeds was a couple of months in the Premier League era. Uh, he's best known for United. Rio Ferdinand, best known for United. Gary McAllister, I think, is, is worth a mention. And I do think Gary McAllister is a Hall of Famer. I think Gary McAllister should get in when you consider his career for Coventry and Liverpool on top of what he did for Leeds. I think Gary McAllister warrants a place. Now, for Leeds, he was only there for, I think, four seasons in the Premier League. Then he had four at Coventry, a couple at Liverpool, and then I'm back to Coventry. So I'd say McAllister should get in, but it's not necessarily for his time at Leeds as opposed to the whole body of work. Um. Gordon Strachan is a player I loved. Uh, obviously, has become a manager, and different people have different views on him as a manager. Now, what might hold him back is that he only played in the Premier League for basically we had two full seasons with Leeds. Then he became, didn't he become player manager or assistant manager at Coventry? And he sort of went into semi-retirement, but he only had two full seasons in the, in the Premier League era. So I think that just rules him out. Why did he join Coventry? Let's see. Yes, he moved there to work as the assistant manager. He was an, a player assistant manager. And that he was to take over from Ron Atkinson two years after joining. Which, to be fair, um, it actually happened earlier. Ron Atkinson became director of football. Strachan became the manager. That's also why Gary McAllister had gone there because he was so close with Strachan. Other Leeds players, Mark Viduka, certainly worth a mention at, at his peak, one of the better goal scorers in the league. Harry Kuehl, one of the better players in the league for a couple of years, but I don't think either of them have the longevity to really make a case. Obviously, Leeds have been out of the league a long time now, and it is funny that for a team that won the league title, the last season before the Premier League were a, a real force in the early part of the late 90s, early 2000s, when they were spending a lot of money and building a very impressive team. They've actually spent more seasons out of the Premier League than in the Premier League. Uh, Leicester City. Um, Steve Claridge scored the, the first biggest goal in their history, but he's not, he's not a Hall of Famer. Nobody in those early years, I think, would qualify. Obviously, Vardy. Vardy has to be one. Kante will be one. Mares will be one. I think Vardy 
and Mares, it'll be mostly for what they did at Leicester. Kante, I think, has been better for Chelsea than he was for Leicester, but he was incredible at Leicester. And obviously, they don't win that title without him, so his impact there as well. Those three will all get in. Kasper Schmeichel probably gets in. I don't think he actually warrants it, but I do think he'll get in based on longevity. Uh, but Vardy is the kind of the headline act from Leicester. Just on Vardy, got into a bit of a dispute with some Leicester fans over the weekend, was answering a question from somebody. He didn't generally ask me, he asked it in general, who is the best number nine in the league if we take Harry Kane out of the equation? I said, it's wrong with Lukaku. You can't look at this season because it's just a bad fit. He doesn't really work in a Thomas Tuchel team, but we have seen what he's capable of at West Brom at Everton in the first season at United under Jose and then obviously at Inter Milan as well. A lot of Leicester fans had been replying that it was Fardy. I said it's not 2017 anymore and they had themselves a big old tantrum. They said, well, he scored more Premier League goals than Lukaku this season. And I said, well, that's fine. But Lukaku has outperformed him in basically every other season bar one since the two of them came into the Premier League. And that didn't go down well. Now, look, Vardy is still a very good player, but he's not the same player he was. And even when he won his golden boot, he had declined in terms of his all-round game. He's no longer the, the pest he was off the ball. He's not the threat he was to stretch the field anymore. He's still got his pace, but he can only use it at certain times now. It's not a constant thing. Leicester don't have that persistent outball that was always there when he was at his very best. Uh, he's still a good player. He's just no longer a very, very good player. And he's no longer in the conversation as the best number nine in the league. I'm sorry you don't like it, but it's just the case. Uh, moving on to Liverpool. McManaman. McManaman should be uh, not only in the conversation, he should be in. Uh, Steve McManaman was Liverpool's best player in the 90s. Steve McManaman was the best player in the league for a couple of seasons. Uh, Fowler and Owen are obvious. Carragher should get a mention. Daniel Agger would be in if it wasn't for injuries. Luis Suarez is the best Liverpool player of the Premier League era, but he is still playing and he wasn't in the Premier League long enough, so I don't think he'll get in. But yeah, McManaman is the, is the big snub here and he's the one that's, after Owen, he's the second most undervalued Liverpool player of the Premier League era. Um, you'll have Liverpool fans like James Milner is going to get into this at some point on the base of having been a squad player and been carried to success by better teammates. And Liverpool fans will call him a legend, but will ignore Owen and will ignore McManaman, two much better players who did more for the club. But such is life. McManaman is the Liverpool player. Uh, Manchester City. So... City didn't have much to cheer about in the 90s, but Georgie Kinklansey was their best player. Uh, he wasn't there for long enough to warrant Hall of Fame consideration. Then we had sort of that weird Elano, Joe sort of era when City didn't really know what to do with money. All of their Hall of Fame candidates are from the mega-rich era. All of them. Yaya is in or is nominated, Company will get in, Yaya will get in, Aguero will get in, Silva will get in, Fernandinho will and should get in. 
I mean, there's a couple of players that played for them that probably, like Gareth Barry, will get in at some point. It's not necessarily for what he did at City. Uh, James Miller the same. And again, it's not what he did at City at Liverpool. It's for longevity uh, more than anything, because I'm not really sure that being an average Premier League player for 20 years warrants Hall of Fame consideration, but they'll get in based on games played. Um, it is basically just the big four for City right now. And, and Fernandinho, when he's done, that'll be it. De Bruyne will get in, Sterling will get in, those type of players, but, you know, there's there's no one else retired. And the same thing with, like, with Leicester, say, there's no one retired who gets in. All of their Hall of Fame candidates are, are still playing. Um, Manchester United, Irwin is the most obvious stat. I just, I, it really annoys me that he's not on the list. Like, Everett is on the list. Neville is on the list. Irwin was substantially better than both of them. Ashley Cole is on the list. Ashley Cole wasn't as good as Dennis Irwin. Dennis Irwin was as good as Ashley Cole defensively and better on the ball. He never had a bad game, never got roasted. Just always, okay, Cole might have been a slightly better defender, but largely because he had more pace. But Irwin read the game better and had better positional sense. Didn't have the recovery pace, didn't need it. He was also right-footed playing left-back. So Dennis Irwin is the biggest snub. He's the, him and Paul McGrath, and I know that sounds like Irish bias, but I don't know how they can't be. I don't know how they can't be in. Irwin's the best fullback the Premier League has seen. Look at and look at his CV. Look what he won. Look what he was part of. And McGrath should be in. There's just there's no again like Carvalho. There's no conversation about the best defenders of the Premier League era without Paul McGrath. So Dennis Irwin is one. I think Yap Stam is worth consideration. I know he wasn't there for long enough, but still he is worth some consideration. In the end, the likes of Nicky Button, Phil Neville will probably get in because you know these things just tend to happen. Eventually, there'll be enough crying for them. Um, Dwight York should be in, and he probably should be on. Should be one of Aston Villa's uh, candidates, or maybe the Aston Villa candidate after McGrath, because he spent so much of his career there. Uh, York was at Villa from ninety to ninety eight, so six Premier League seasons there. Four at United, two at Blackburn, one at Birmingham. Um, Dwight York should get should get in. He shouldn't just be a candidate. He should get in. Um, he's part of arguably the greatest front pairing the league has seen. He was outstanding for his first two years at United. His last three full seasons with Villa were brilliant. I think that should be enough. I think that should warrant him getting in. Three league titles, FA Cup and a European Cup, as well as a league cup at Villa. A standout performer for two clubs. I think he warrants getting in. Um, where are we next? Newcastle. Oh, sorry, Middlesbrough. Um the problem for Borough is that they are 15 years in the Premier League. The, the spell where they had players who you would say weren't getting in, those players didn't stick around for long enough. So I'm thinking of Janino. Janino wasn't at Borough for long enough in his first spell or his second spell to really warrant 
getting in as good as he was. I would say Gareth Southgate does from his time at Palace to Villa and then on to Borough. I think as a player, Southgate is is very was very underrated. He could play holding midfielder, centre back, or in the middle of a back three. Um, he could play on the flanks of back three either. Could have been a fullback. He was good enough on the ball. I think Southgate deserves to get in, but Janino is the best player they've had in the Premier League era. And it's just unfortunate that his spells in the Premier League, he had two seasons with Borough, then a season, and then two seasons, five seasons overall. But he only really had one great Premier League season. That was the season they got relegated, funnily enough. Actually, to be fair, his last season with Borough was very good as well. Loved him at Celtic. Loved him at Celtic. Didn't play great for us, but loved having him there. Um, yeah, I, I would say Southgate is the one that has to win. And Mark Schwarzer, to be fair, now with Mark Schwarzer, it's a little bit like the the Milner and Barry thing, not necessarily for the level of performance, but for the just longevity. It was incredible how long Mark Schwarzer played for. So his first Premier League season was 96-97. He dropped down to the what's now the championship, came back up, was with Borough then in the Premier League for 10 seasons, then went to Fulham for five years, replacing Van der Sar, and then he was with Chelsea and Leicester as a backup. He was actually at Leicester in their title-winning season, but didn't play, so didn't get a medal. Um. Casper played every single Premier League game, so no other goalkeeper got a look in. Schwarzer played three games in the League Cup. Casper played all the Premier League and FA Cup games, so he was the backup keeper on a title-winning team, whether that's worth anything or not, but he should, he should get a medal. Keepers shouldn't have to hit the any kind of threshold of minutes played, because some first-choice keepers are just going to play every game, and backup keepers are very important, so from from Borough, I'd go Southgate and Schwarzer. Um, none of the cap, obviously, Janino, the best player they had, Ravinelli, but it's only one season. After that, I'd really be struggling. Like, I really like Nicky Barnby. He wasn't there long enough, and I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. I liked Craig Hignett, not a Hall of Famer. Uh, Jimmy Floyd was there. Jimmy Floyd probably gets in, doesn't he? Have a look. Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank probably does get in. Yeah, to be fair, his Leeds time, but he's not getting in for his time at Burry, even though he was good there. A uh, guy wants me to suggest Yakubu. Uh, if I was going to suggest him for somewhere, I think it'd have to be Everton. What do you have? You two years at Burry between his time at Portsmouth and his time at Everton. And to be fair, his goals per game record is actually better at Middlesbrough. His best season was at Everton. He's great for Portsmouth. Yeah, to be fair, he might he might have a case. Two really good years for Pompey, two really good years for Borough, one, only one really good year for Everton, a really good year for Blackburn. 
Uh, feed the yak and he will score. I, I'm not against putting him in. I think it'll be a long time before he gets in. But at some point, yeah, maybe. Um, and like with Jimmy Floyd, like Jimmy Floyd had two years at Borough. One of them very, very good. The other one was a little bit injury plagued league-wise. We played a ton of games in Europe for them that year when they got that deep run in Europe. But his time at Chelsea is what he'll really get in. Chelsea and Leeds is what he'd really get in for. So yeah, Jimmy Floyd can be in that conversation as well. Without doubt. Um, who am I looking for now? Newcastle. I mean, Shearer is the obvious one. I think Beardsley is worth consideration, but does he have the longevity? Probably not. Um, Ginola. I think Ginola has to be a Hall of Famer. Whether it's because of his time at Newcastle on the whole or not, I don't know because he was really good for Spurs and he was at Spurs for longer and he was decent for Villa. I think Ginola has to get in but it's probably more based on his time at Spurs even though that first season in Newcastle was just different class. Oh, I forgot what Arsenal. Robert Perez should also be uh, one of these nominees. Robert Perez was the best player in the league on a team that went unbeaten. I know everyone will look and say, well, they had Vieira, they had Henri. Go and ask those players who the best player in that team was, and they'll tell you it was Bobby Perez. Um, but yeah, Ginola should be in, and he's the one I'll go with, because I think with Shearer, he, he was probably better overall for Blackburn. He's got a ton of goals for Newcastle, but he was injury hit a lot of the time up there. Um, Norwich. This is their 10th season. I think Chris Sutton's the best player they had in the Premier League era. And I think Chris Sutton probably should get into the Hall of Fame. I think, you know, what when you look at, again, body of work, he had, what did he have, two seasons with Norwich in the Premier League. Then he went to Blackburn and then Chelsea. Didn't work at Chelsea. Was great for Celtic for a few years, but... Chris Sutton's probably more a Blackburn candidate than a Norwich candidate. Uh, Rule Fox wouldn't quite make the grade. I'm not sure Norwich of anyone else. I think Sutton's probably the best case, but again, he'd get in more for what he did at Blackburn than what he did with Norwich. Nobody from Forest, nobody from Oldham, Portsmouth, QPR, Reading, Sheffield United, Sheffield Wednesday. Amazingly, only eight seasons in the division and haven't been seen in the Premier League since 2000. Southampton, it's Letitia. And after that, I don't think there's anybody else. They'll have candidates that went on and earned their spot elsewhere. Virgil, Alderweireld, when he's finished, I think he probably gets, maybe not, was he? Yeah, no, Alderweireld will get in. Um, I mean, Agil Olstenstad, Marion Parhars, Ken Monkow, Francis Benali, Jeff Kenna. Don't think any of these are Hall of Fame players. I think it's Letizia and I think that's it. I think it's Letizia and I do think that might be it. Uh, Stoke. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure there's anybody that even gets a mention. Pulis is the only one. 
if they put in managers, Pulis kind of has to get in. Uh, brought Stoke up, kept them up for years and years. I think he was there seven, eight years when he kept them in the division. So I, I'd say Pulis as a manager should get in, but nobody else. Um, Sunderland, it's Kevin Phillips. Kevin Phillips, golden boot winner, sensational goal scorer. Yeah, Kevin Phillips would be the only one I'd actually consider from Sunderland. Uh, I think others, like, there's probably going to be a case made for Jermaine Defoe at some point, but it's a body of work case. You know, West Ham, Spurs, Portsmouth, Sunderland, and the 14 other clubs he played for, but it's not necessarily based on his time at Portsmouth. I'd say Kevin, Kevin Phillips is the only one no one from Swansea, no one from Swindon. Uh, from Tottenham, Ledley King is the is the glaring absentee from Tottenham on the list. Um, I do obviously think Sheringham is fully worthy of consideration, but is he like he's pictured here in a Man United jersey for his case? United's a small part of Teddy Sheringham's Premier League story. Obviously had great success there, part of the treble winning team, but he was at Spurs for seven years of the Premier League era and at United for only four. So, you know, he was a much better player for Spurs than he was for United, especially that first spell at Spurs when he joined them from Forest. So I'm not really sure why he's pictured in a United kit. He, he should be the Spurs candidate to go in. Uh, Gareth Bale will get in at some point. I think Luka Modric is worth consideration, but he might not have the longevity. But it's Ledley King. Ledley King is, is the one and should be nominated already. Uh, Watford don't qualify. West Brom, Lukaku is the best player they've had in the Premier League era and nobody else would be worthy of a spot in the Hall of Fame. West Ham have a bunch that went through there. Michael Carrick. Michael Carrick for United, actually, as well. Michael Carrick should be in. Um, he could go in for Spurs or for West Ham, uh, or all three. Body of work candidate there. Um, Rio, but obviously it's more what he did later when he left. Lampard, it's what he did at Chelsea. Joe Cole will probably get in at some point, but I think his case is a little bit weak because he... A couple of great seasons for Chelsea, but overall, I think he underachieved on his talent. And Defoe, Decanio should should and probably will get in eventually, and he'll be a West Ham candidate. I don't. I think they'll try and whitewash what he did at Sheffield Wednesday. Um, I mean, Ian Wright played there, but he's good in for what he did for Arsenal when he gets in. Julian Dix shouldn't go in. Um. Mark Noble might get in as a body of work candidate, even though it was a lot of abject mediocrity. Yeah, I think West Ham's candidates are all the players that they developed and then sold. And De Canio. De Canio was their best candidate for what he did there. Uh, nobody from Wigan, nobody from Wimbledon, and nobody from Wolves. So there you go. So we'll leave it there. We'll take a break. And when we come back, we will... Uh, have a quick look at the news and then do the gossip and be done. Speak to you soon.
Right, welcome back. So we do have a bit of news to get through. So the Netherlands beat Denmark 4-2 at the weekend. The game wasn't really relevant because it was only international friendly. But what was relevant is the fact that Christian Eriksen came on at half time and scored two minutes later. Uh, that was fantastic. And he will be given the biggest welcome in the history of the Parkin Stadium when he returns for Denmark in their next game, which is a home friendly. Uh, other results around the weekend, Republic of Ireland 2, Belgium 2. Not the full-strength Belgium team, but a good, a good quality opponent for Ireland, and they more than held their own. Uh, England scraped by Switzerland 2-1. Some dreadful performances from the English. Uh, Harry Kane scores another goal, and he is fast approaching the record of Wayne Rooney and he will beat it with many many games to spare uh, England coming back from 2-1 from 1-0 down after Mbolo scored a Luke Shaw goal and then the Kane penalty Germany beat Israel 2-0 Kai Havertz and Timo Werner with the goals as I mentioned the Netherlands beat Denmark 4-2 uh, Bergwijn with two Aki and Depay Vestergaard with the other Danish goal Croatia drew 1-0 with Slovenia. Finland drew 1-1 with Iceland. India lost 3-0 to Belarus. Gibraltar drew 0-0 with the Faroe Islands. I'd imagine that was an absolute belter. And then Qatar beat Bulgaria 2-1. Now, one of two things has happened here. Either Qatar have bought them off or Bulgaria are worse than I thought. Now, I don't know what the Bulgarian team was. I don't particularly care either. There's no excuse for Bulgaria to be losing to Qatar unless you've all gone home with a half a million quid in your bank accounts that you didn't have beforehand. You should all be ashamed of yourselves. You should be ashamed of yourselves if you're taking bungs to lose games for your country as well, but still half a million is half a million. Um, Canada qualified for the World Cup over the weekend. They hammered Jamaica 4-0. Uh, Kyle Laren, Buchanan, Junior Hoylett, and Mariapa with the goals. The first time Canada have reached the World Cup in 36 years. It is a massive achievement for them. An absolutely massive achievement for them. And I am delighted. They're going to host the World Cup in 2026. So it's great for them to get to go to this one. And the last one they're at was Mexico in 86. And um, they've got an English coach, John Herdman. He was previously the coach of the Canadian women's national team, moved over to the men's team and has done a great job. Um, there's some really exciting players in that team. Obviously, everyone knows Alfonso Davies. He missed out on these games because of his, his heart ailment, but um, Kyle Lahren is, is very, very good, having a great season in the Turkish League this season. And obviously, Jonathan David has become a star name of late as well. So, and Junior Hoylett, Junior Hoylett was a good Premier League player. It's worth remembering he was a good Premier League player. There's a good article on the BBC website about John Herdman, so I would invite you all to go and read that. Uh, Gareth Southgate says he, he understands Wilf Saha's decision to play for the Ivory Coast. Saha won two England caps back in 2012 when Hodgson was trying to cap everybody to make sure that they were all under English control. Um, he and Raheem Sterling capped both of them far too early, but so be it. Uh, Zaha moved across to play for the Ivory Coast in 2016. I'm not sure why he was asked about it. 
at this point. It seems a little silly, but he says he understands it. He the reason he does it because Ivory Coast he gets a he gets more game time than he would for England. He wouldn't be in the squad for England. Simple as that. He just wouldn't be in the squad for England. Um, Patrick Bamford could miss the rest of the season with a foot injury. He has a ruptured ligament. It won't require surgery, but will require time. That is really, really big. A really, really big blow for Leeds. He's had the injury for about 12 months. He's going to miss at least six weeks. There's only eight weeks left in the season, and he hasn't recovered quickly from previous injuries. That is a huge blow. Now, they do at least get Lorente and Calvin Phillips back, but still, losing your only real goal scorer, it's a good chance for Joe Gallagher to show what he can do. Uh, he's looked promising thus far, but he needs to step up now and prove that he can be a big contributor for Leeds in the next couple of seasons. Uh, we've just got the gossip left then. We've got three days' work, so we'll run through it. Barcelona manager Xavi is keen to bring Mo Salah to the club as they look set to miss out on Erling Haaland. Salah will be more expensive than Haaland. More expensive than Haaland. He will cost substantially more up front and his wages won't be much less. Now, you won't have to pay the massive, um, the massive fee to his dad, but you'll have to pay a big fee to his agent and a big signing fee for him. Barcelona president Joan Laporte says the club won't be put at financial risk to sign, won't put the club at financial risk to sign Erling Haaland. Uh, this is from the spoofer. Um, I think he's robbed it off one of the Spanish newspapers, though. Barca are also interested in Robert Lewandowski. Let's just save all the hassle. They won't be signing him either. Uh, Liverpool's hopes of signing Spain midfielder Gavi have been boosted by the 17-year-old turning down a third new deal at Barca. It is getting very much like, it's starting to look very much like he's not going to sign a new deal. Uh, Leeds have rejected a £29 million offer for Rafinha from Barcelona. £29 million. He might as well spit in the face. He has a £60 million buyout. They might take less in the summer, but they won't take £29 million. Uh, Wolves and Portugal winger Pedro Neto is on the Paris Saint-Germain wanted list. If I was him, I'd avoid that club like the plague. Newcastle are preparing to fight AC Milan to sign Sven Botman. He wants to go to Milan, so I think that's where he will go. The Magpies are looking to strengthen up front and are looking at Darwin Nunes, who's also a target from, for Arsenal. He's, he's not going to go to Newcastle. Unless they offer stupid money, he's going to pick the club that offers him the best chance to win. Uh, if it's Arsenal, it's Arsenal. If it's another club, it'll be another club. Arsenal are in negotiations to bring Brazil manager Titi to the club when he steps down from his posts after the World Cup. Why? For what reason? Strange. Manchester United are keen on Manuel Akanji. He's a good player, but he hasn't developed properly. He's been injured a lot. Uh, Liverpool, Manchester City and Manchester United are all battling to sign Rangers 16-year-old Scottish striker Rory Wilson, who's meant to be exceptionally, exceptionally promising. A couple of good young Scots coming through at the minute. Like, so that's interesting to see. Maybe we'll see a very good Scotland team in the next five, six years. Liverpool will not join the race to sign Declan Rice. Uh, that's because he's 
they're looking for ridiculous money for him. And nobody should be in the race to spend that kind of money on Declan Rice. Granite Jacker remains a target for Jose Mourinho. Fair play. Uh, Marcelo Bielsa has been contacted about returning to management less than a month after being sacked by Leeds. I think he'll take a bit of time off. George Clooney has ruled out the prospect of buying Derby. Was that ever even floated? That George, George Clooney for Derby would be a little bit strange. Uh, West Ham will land long-term target Nikola Milinkovic as the Fiorentina and Serbia defender has a gentleman's agreement with the Hammers. That means absolutely nothing. Ishmael Sarr could leave Watford for Liverpool, with Liverpool reigniting their interest in the 24-year-old Senegalese winger. This just seems like it might be a lazy thing to fill column inches because they've shown interest in the past. Tottenham are lining up a deal for Bubakar Kamara. He'd be a good signing. He'd be ideal for back three, playing in the middle of it. He's probably a bit too small to be a Conte centre-back, but his style of play, his leadership, it would it would work well. He can also obviously play in midfield where he has been for Marseille for the last year and a half or so. Eden Hazard's season's over. He's having he's having surgery and a foot injury. That fella's career is fairly close to over as well. Um, Charlton defender Lucas Ness has been tracked by Norwich, Burnley, Coventry and Plymouth Argyle. If you're a Premier League club and Plymouth Argyle are in for the same player as you, you might want to ask questions about what you're doing or where you're aiming to be. Um, moving on, Arsenal are preparing an offer for Marcus Rashford. I doubt it. Burnley tried to sign Victor Moses, but the Premier League blocked it, even though UEFA said they could sign him. Uh, Everton will sell Dominic Calvert-Lewin in the summer with Arsenal and West Ham ready to move. Probably suits West Ham more. It does suit West Ham a little bit better. Juventus are intent on signing Antonio Rudiger this summer, yada, yada. Uh, IX manager Eric Ten Hag is surprised Manchester United have not offered him a contract to become manager after telling the club money will not be an issue. Well, that's nonsense for starters. Money's always an issue. But secondly, it, it would appear that Pochettino remains their first choice and that everything else is window dressing. Uh Louis van Gaal came out and said that Ten Hag should avoid United. He said he should, that he should join a football club, not a commercial club, and they're a commercial club. And he's not wrong. Fulham want to, want to sign Burnley and England goalkeeper Nick Pope. Could be a lot easier if Burnley go down. Uh, Yuri Thielemann says he wants to play Champions League football. I think Arsenal would be an ideal move for him. Manchester United and Arsenal have also been linked with Thielemann's. Yeah, I think Arsenal would be the perfect move for him. I think him and Thomas Partey in midfield is a pairing I could really get on board with. And he's the type of player who will raise the level of those around him. He's also been through the sort of being a young prodigy, having a little bit of a tough time and coming out to the side as a better player type of thing. So be good help for the likes of Odegaard as well. Now, Odegaard's been good this season, but still not, not the player he should have been. Um, I wonder if there's a Saliba for... Thielemann's deal that can be done there because Leicester apparently very keen on Saliba um, they want to repair him with Fafana who they, he played with at St Etienne Southampton and Crystal Palace are interested in Harry Winks he doesn't start for Southampton so I don't know why he'd go there but Palace would be a good move for him Palace would be a good move for him um, Argentina forward Paolo Dybala could move from Juventus to Inter Milan this summer. That's 
something that's been widely suggested. Uh, obviously, he's got a pre-existing relationship with Beppe Morata, who is the, the general manager or president maybe now at this point of, um, of Inter Milan. Erling Haaland will move to Manchester City or Real Madrid this summer, but he rejected City's first big offer. Then we'll wait and see. West Ham are keen on loan moves for David Neres and Lasana Traore. They could move during a special window set up for players. We, I, I, there's no point in even looking at that for now. Uh, Napoli would want £83 million for 23-year-old Victor Asimian, who has received interest from several clubs, including Arsenal, Liverpool, Man United, Tottenham and Newcastle. Um, I really like him, but that's a big overpay. He's a £60 million striker right now. If he reaches his maximum potential, then he's probably an £83 million player, but you're, not, you're never going to get your money back out of him. I don't think anyway. Paris Saint-Germain are monitoring developments around Rafinha. Again, he should avoid that club like the plague. Barcelona could offer Oscar Mangueza as part of any deal to sign Rafinha, and Leeds should still say no. Uh, I like him, but I'd still say no, because they'll they'll probably offer £20 million on him, and he's a 10 to £15 million pound footballer. PSG have made Paul Pogba their top transfer target. This is why the likes of Rafinha and Pedro Neto should avoid that club. If he's your top transfer target, you're going wrong. They could also target Romelu Lukaku. He's, I think he'll go back to Italy. I think it wouldn't surprise me if it, if Inter sold Laturo and brought him in. And if Chelsea had sense, a little swap deal, even a straight swap deal, might be perfect. Laturo off Havertz with one other in attack with them. As long as it's not... Zajic or Mount if it's a forward player but someone that can play wide like a Pulisic who can switch wings someone like that would be perfect uh, or obviously they could go for a higher end player if they wanted to but they won't have the money to do that but getting getting a Latour Martinez to escape the disastrous move that has been Romelu Lukaku and I'm surprised it's been so bad but that, that would make a lot of sense for all parties. And I wouldn't imagine he'd want more wages than Lukaku's on now. He'd probably take less. So you could save your wage bill as well and get something back out of what otherwise might prove to be a dead investment. And then Inter could pair Lukaku with Dybala, which under Inzaghi is probably the ideal partnership. The future of Adama Traore is up in the air and depends on whether Wolves decide to make Francisco Trinquiao's move permanent. I'd imagine a swap deal is probably the prevailing thought there. Wolves have opened talks with Ruben Neves over a new contract. If they can get him tied down, that would be huge. Inter hope to agree a new deal with Milan Skriniar, and rightly so, he is a sensational defender. Uh, Barcelona have an agreement with Rafinha over a move from Leeds. No, they haven't. Barcelona are set to release seven players this summer as they look to reinforce with Aspilicueta and Andreas Christensen. Who are the seven players, though? Like, are they releasing or are they trying to sell seven players? Because they're different things. Tottenham are leading the race to sign Memphis Depay. Absolutely no, they're not. Not even slightly are they looking, are they leading any race 
to do anything of the sort, not with Conte in charge. Uh, Declan Rice in the frame to be the future England captain, according to Gareth Southgate, makes sense. Real Madrid are preparing a £50 million bid for Kieran Tierney. No, I, I doubt it. I, I really do doubt it. Uh, Premier League clubs are set to be on alert with versatile Arsenal and England international Ainsley Maitland-Niles not expected to be retained by Roma. Crystal Palace should be trying to get him. Try and get hold of him. He can play right back for you, be a really good fit, or he could be a good number eight for you. Chelsea have been boosted in their pursuit of Chouameni after the agent of the midfielder uh, denied the suggestion that he has an agreement with Real Madrid. Um, Chelsea probably can't afford to buy him unless they sell a couple of players. Barcelona and Spain midfielder Pedri says he wants Barca, says he wants Messi to rejoin Barcelona, which I think everybody at Barcelona does. Wayne Rooney says he rejected a move to Manchester United when he was 14 because he wanted to play for Everton. Right. Um, Barcelona's Brazilian playmaker, Felipe Coutinho, is willing to take a pay cut to make his move to Aston Villa permanent. That's a smart decision by him. Prospective Chelsea owners have been given a, a deadline of a of April the 11th to submit the final bids for the club. We have a shortlist. It appears to be four people. It appears that it is the Ricketts family, the consortium led by Todd Bowley, the consortium led by Martin Broughton, and Stephen Paliuka, who owns the Boston Celtics. So three American bidders, which is what I said it would be at the start, all of whom in their current iterations of sports ownership, big on data and information. So you look at the Celtics, a data-heavy organization. You look at the Cubs, data-heavy organization. Now, Bowley doesn't have a controlling interest anywhere. He's a minority owner in the Lakers. He has no decision-making sway there at all, and that's part of why they're a dumpster fire. He does have a little bit more say with the Dodgers, but everything they were doing, they were doing before he took over. He's had little to no impact there. But when you look at some of the other things he's done, um, his, his women's NBA team, I think he's really pioneered data in women's basketball there. So it's just things he's learned elsewhere. But yeah, so all will be analytics approached, all be profit and loss merchants. Financial sustainability will be the key driving factor for every decision. Um, again, Napoli have set an 83 million price tag on Victor Simeon. Rising Norwegian star Andreas Scheldrup says he turned down the opportunity to sign for Liverpool, but he has left the door open for a potential move in the future. He made the right decision. He signed to go to Nordland in Denmark, a club with great track record of producing players in recent years, club where he's going to play regularly, and he's been very, very impressed this season. He's only 17, and he's also looked at Odegaard and thought, I don't want to follow your path. You made big, big mistakes. I don't want to go that way. So it makes sense for him to do what he did, and best of luck to him. Best of luck to him. If he turns out to be good enough to join Liverpool at this point, he'll be joining them as the type of guy who can actually play on a regular basis, not one that you're putting into the academy. And that is it. That is me for today, folks. I will see you tomorrow. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye.
Social Podcast Network.